listening to She's a Powerhouse. My name is Holly Calloway, and I'm here to share with you some stories of ordinary women who have done some extraordinary things in hopes that you'll get comfortable being uncomfortable, be okay with pushing your boundaries, and do some extraordinary things yourself. Welcome back to another episode, y'all. This is She's a Powerhouse, and today I am super fortunate to be in person with our guest. This never happens, even when it's somebody local, but she has this beautiful setup. And y'all, I don't know if I've ever talked about Nate, but he's our producer. He's behind the scenes always. Um, and Rebecca and Nate have their own podcast, so they have their own setup. And I was like, you know what? Change the scenery. Let's do this. So Rebecca wrote Instinct. Um, Rebecca is a I just lost it, but it's right here. <laughs> She's an evolutionary biologist. There, yeah. She's an evolutionary biologist, which is, I didn't know until today, and I've known Rebecca for a while, but I didn't realize that she was an evolutionary biologist, and that is the coolest title I've ever heard. But basically, we've got a book here on how to rewire your brain for the shit that you want, which I think is phenomenal. Phenomenal. The tagline is actually rewire your brain with science-backed solutions to increase productivity and achieve success. And if you ask me, achieving success should be everybody's goal, correct? Um, so what we're going to do today is have a little chat with Rebecca about how we got here um, and how she's a normal human being just like the rest of us, even though she is a complete badass and somebody who you should look to for all of the solutions for achieving success in this book. It's phenomenal. You should read it. <laughs> Rebecca, welcome. wow! Thank you, thank you so much for the Absolutely. introduction. I Absolutely. yeah, I'm blown away. First of all, I'm blown away by the fact that you didn't know that I was an evolutionary biologist, but I kid you not. She walks in, and she's like size eleven. I'm like <laughs> shoes. How do you know my shoe size? This is okay. <laughs> yes, good start. I'm with you on the. It's impossible to find shoes. I'm a it ten is, and a half, and they stop very large half size. sizes at ten. Yeah. I, so ten and a half is impossible. But when you said that, I was like, she's either a ten and a half. Or an eleven because yeah, and that I don't have, met have big many women that's with what like I've noticed. a size thirteen. Like that's pretty. That's pretty. That's you would notice, that's right? Hard to find. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So tell me about. So I know Rebecca. Um, so in the city we live in, there's a a school called Next, um, which is super like kind of progressive in my in my mind about how they teach things. It's very like entrepreneurial based for kids, which mm -hmm. is phenomenal. It's a high school, um, and that's why I know her because I got connected to somebody who connect was connected to her through there. But she's kind of doing her own thing, and it's phenomenal. So tell me how you Thanks. got to this thing. Oh my gosh! Um, first of all, the thing that I do uh, for a living is is I speak professionally. Mm -hmm. So I, I tell people sometimes I, I run my mouth for, for money, um, and it's a little bit of a bizarre of a bizarre story um, because by trade I'm an evolutionary biologist, um, as you mentioned, and an ornithologist, so I'm a bird nerd. Uh, I know. It's a very bizarre background and a very long tale, but I, I'll tell it this way. When I was eight, I knew exactly who I was, exactly what I wanted to be. I was going to be on stage. I love the theater, right? Like, that's that's where I was, what I was born for, and I, I felt that in me. And so I... <laughs> But I'm from a very small town, right? Like upstate New York, not a whole lot of theater opportunities. So I joined my 4-H, which is what you do, right? Like, of course. I didn't know 4-H existed outside of the Midwest. It That's is, awesome. Uh, it That's is awesome. there. Yeah. Any, I think cool. any rural kind of situation. No. Oh. I don't know. Sorry, 4-H. Um, but it was great. It was a great opportunity, like great leadership skills. I got to do some public speaking. And that's why I joined because like, oh, stage. Great. All right. I'm on it. Um, and I won my city, which is like not a big deal because it was a really small city. <laughs> but I got to go to county, right? And then I won county. And I'm like, all right, like I got something here. And I'm feeling good about myself. Means I get to go to states, right? So I've actually never said this to my mom yet. She's never heard this or my dad or my family. When I got to States, I played sick the day of. Like, I didn't show up because I was so scared, right? Oh, like, people man. are talking like, hey, you're good at this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. I'm 
oh God, I'm good. Oh shit. People are valuing me for this. And now my identity, my value, my worth is all tied into this thing that I do, right? This public speaking thing. And what if I let them down? What if I fail? Who even am I at that point? And, and so I did, I played sick the day of, um, I feel like I should have won some kind of award for that, but aside from the point, um, and, and it really set off this, this fear of failure. And like, I became, super ingrained and like, I'm only going to do the things that I know I'm going to be successful at. Right. right? So I went out and I was like, I'm good at science, good at science. So I'll get a degree in science and then I'll get another degree and I'll get another degree because I just didn't want to fail. And not that I have any, any regrets. Like I love, I love science, obviously. I mean, I'm still using it. Right. Um, and I love entrepreneurship and thinking about things from a slightly different perspective and being curious and solving problems. And I was like, how can I use the thing that I I know I love, right? I love being on stage. How can I do that and bring it to people through the lens that I've now developed through science? Um, and it took um, it took actually a kind of a personal disaster. Uh, we were talking just before, like there are people that kind of like slowly edge in and do this carefully and kind of little piece by piece start doing a little bit more of what they love, a little bit less of what they don't love. And then there are people like me who in a single year quit their job, sell their house and divorce their husband. And... <laughs> that's where I ended up going, okay, I have a couple degrees and not a whole lot of skills. And what do I do with my life? Um, hmm. Okay. And it, it started me on this journey where I, I really dug in deep to what are, what are my fears, right? What are the, the systems that I've been operating from that have been holding me back from doing the thing that I really want to do, that I really feel called to do? Um, and so I started small, right? Like I started, okay, I'll, I'll give a talk here. I'll give a talk there. And then they handed me a check and I was like, this is, I can do, people pay me for this? This is amazing. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like this, this, I don't know. I, I really didn't expect that you could build a career around this. And suddenly I was like, oh let's, let's do this. And it was a, a bit of a fearless trajectory from there in which I was like, well, I should write a book. Well, I should get a nap. I should, I should do these things that I've always said I wanted to do. And, um, you know, my fear was, was holding me back from. So that's, that's, that's a much (laughs) longer story than you probably anticipate. Let me take you back to when I was eight years old. (laughs) So when I was six, I had an affinity for clarinet. Right. Right. Exactly. But I know it's amazing because there's always like, my favorite thing, honestly, is to take wherever I am right now, which changes like uh, on a really regular basis and go, how did I get here and mm-hmm. work it back and not just on a, like, what was the path like, but like, where was my mind? Like, where's my mindset? What was the trigger? Why did I go this direction? For me, a lot of times it's like an, um, like an instinctual turn. It'll be like, I have no idea. Like what? Like an, an, instinct? right, an instinctual turn. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. You're yeah. welcome. Just Thank plug you. It plug it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, because it's. So many things I'll be like, why did I even say that out loud? Like, why did we have that conversation? Because it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and have this conversation with a person. I'll just be having a conversation and all of a sudden be like, that shit needs to change. Right. Right. So like, and then there's enough of me to not stop that. I'm kind of like you if I, I would love, yes, continue to love getting paid to speak because I never <laughs> stop. So if you can just pay me to do yeah, the thing, yeah, anyway. we'll, we'll, we'll um, work out a business plan. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but for me that like having just in that conversation, then realizing crap, now track it backwards. Like what was the instinct attached to the conversation that you were having and, and why did it go forward? So many times I've had that, like, oh, if I just hadn't said that thing, if I'd stopped myself, Right. 
You know what, though? I mean, I think you are already so far advanced on that path because it's, it's all awareness, right? It's, it's an, oh my gosh, I just said that. I mean, I did this literally the other night with, with my partner, you know, we're, we're having a conversation and I like snapped, right? I had that like, I was like, why am, pause, what just happened there, right? Like what was the trigger that, and, and it ended up being the trigger from like when I was 12, right? And, right? and nobody believed in me. And he said that one thing that was actually out of love and encouraging, but it, I didn't hear it that way. Right. I didn't receive it that way. And so I think, you know, to your point, the more we can pause and say, wait, I'm having, I'm recognizing this story coming up, right? right? What do I need to do in this moment? Get curious about it and say like, well, why am I having that experience? What behavior, what instinct is driving this? Um, and for for my purposes, because I, I try and break things down to as simple as possible, I think most of our instincts are fear-based, right? And so if you can identify the fear that's driving you, then you're like, oh, now I get to sort this and say, is that a fear that is actually life-threatening, right? Like if I don't do this, do I get eaten by a tiger? Yes. Or, Thank you. or can I pause and say, okay, I'm having this reaction as if this was a life-threatening tiger, but really that tiger's in a cage. Right. Let me let me recognize that I don't have to deal with this right now. It's a cage. I can come back to it if I need to take space. Right. Or I can say that's not a life threatening situation at all. I need to change my behavior immediately. Right. And so challenge that this. thing. Right. For sure. We talk about this all the time, all the time with the power players about how when you have that like when you have that moment, because at some point in your life there was something that it, your instinct was truly keeping you safe from. Absolutely. So often. And it doesn't have to be, we use the word trauma, but it doesn't have to be like a massive trauma. It can be like a small thing. Like you knew somebody was going to react if you did that thing. Mm. So now you don't do that thing. And then when other people's people do, it triggers you because that's a bad thing in your brain. Right. And it's so deeply ingrained, so deeply ingrained. And most people don't think about the way they think. Yeah, it's true. And and I think like part of who they are. Yeah. And and I think actually for women in particular, like this whole idea of women intuition it gets kind of like mm, poo-pooed and dismissed and like, oh, women's intuition. Uh, pay attention to that, right? right? This, this, is, this is deeply ingrained behaviors, ideas, the, the like things that make your hair stand up. Not all instincts need to be fought against. Right. What most of my book is about instincts that oh, we need to fight, we need to question, we need to say, why am I? Yeah. And we need to value the instincts that I think often get overlooked, especially because and I'll say this on, on this podcast. Like I think as women, we 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 are taught that that's that's less than. Don't that's a soft skill. That's a where's the data? Ooh. And again, and as a scientist, right. I'm I guilty was, of that, right? I was just gonna say and that. it's still just because we can't measure it, just because there there's still something there. So right. I think I think without without being too dismissive of it, mm-hmm. saying, huh, let's get curious. Why am I experiencing this? What is that? Yeah. What is that instinct? Where did it came? Where did it come from? And then it, what separating that from intuition because definitely two different things. Mm. Um, so also I have a science background. I'm a chiropractor and like all of the neurology. So when we oh, start yeah. talking about those connections, like I know we've, we've had little conversations where like you say things and I'm like, yeah, somebody else who gets <laughs> the it. The mirroring happens. Oh, yeah. I get so excited because there are so few people who like get it at that level. Right. But that, yeah, we talk about so often the like, the deep neurology that's in there. And then somebody, I, my imposter syndrome, because I know everybody deals with it. Yeah. Everybody deals with it. Um, 
my imposter syndrome comes from my background in science, <clears throat> especially a pseudoscience. Right. Like the whole world <laughs> is like chiropractic is a pseudoscience. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but if we look, we can take data from things that weren't called chiropractic. And then we call it following breadcrumbs. Like you've got to take all of the different studies and add them together because there aren't big metadata studies. But so often I was in this like fight or flight defense mode of I'm going to have to defend what I do for mm-hmm. a living and why it works. Mm-hmm. And being the neurologist that I am, that particular background, yeah. I could, I just, I hated knowing that it was coming. But at the same time then, because I've spent my entire professional life providing data, when you say, well, how do we know how to trust instinct or how to trust intuition mm-hmm. and how to think about that? My brain goes like qualitative, quantitative data. How do we find it? Right. And you can't always, it's not always a thing. And that that like that puts so much fear and like my imposter syndrome comes up like I'm waiting for somebody that's to question me and I don't have an answer <clears throat> that's interesting and and um actually one of the, one of the ideas that I'm exploring right now is this like hard and soft sciences right, right. and the idea being and I, I don't mean to make this a gendered conversation but since you know we're we talking should. about, we're talking about women in yes, particular. Please. It's Women's History Month. By golly, let's do this. Make it a gendered um, conversation. We are two women having a conversation. I think go. automatically. There you go. <laughs> um, I think I think so often, you know, we, we talk about the hard sciences like very masculine, right? It's numbers and quantitative and, and, and analysis, and we can and that's I think given more value. Yes. Absolutely. And and I'll be honest, for me too. Right. Because I've bought into that system, right? I, I have. I've been sold it and then I've bought it hook, line, and sinker, and by golly. Everything in this book is based on <laughs> on that. Yeah. And now I want to pull back and say, wait a second. Why am I only valuing X when I know, or maybe I should say, why am I only valuing Y? <laughs> Science joke there. Um, when I know X exists, right. when I know and I, and I can sense it, and just because I, have, I don't have the tools yet to measure it, and this is, this is part of my... Part of my, my bird nerd background comes in because birds have, um, <laughs> sorry, I get super nerdy about this. Birds can actually see um, direction. So like they, they physically see north as a, a darker shade. Cool. So they have this ability and they see, you know, ultraviolet. So um, they see the world very differently because they have senses that we don't have. Um, and I start to think about that and I'm like, well, just because I can't see it, just because I can't measure it right. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it, it just, we don't have the tools yet. Right. So I think, you know, sometimes, uh, it's important to pull back and question your own thinking and saying, well, why, why do I only value the numbers? Right. And maybe it's important to, to step back from that a little bit. And I feel like we value numbers because they're easier. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, and because I don't put my behavioral, um, biases on them of course right yeah. I, yeah. I i can say it's very objective exactly very objective. exactly I I can s- yeah so tell me about i just I, when i said we were getting ready for the show i'm like we're going to talk about your childhood and you're like of yeah course. that's yeah. so much fun <laughs> tell me about your childhood just like i'm going to leave it open tell me your story uh, <laughs> wow um that's how oh, that's a, that's a good i mean how do you become okay. a bird nerd for, like that i'm dying to know but like i also want to know about like your upbringing what were your parents like like because i love for people to find the relatable sure piece of that, right? sure um i was i was a nerd i mean i was such a nerd i um I loved the theater. I love like I was very creative, and um, like when I was three or three, 
when I was in third grade, I wrote a book because I was like, I'm going to just be famous. I'm, I wrote a book. That's amazing. It was not good. Is <laughs> like, this was, like you realizing was, your childhood journeys? Yes, Did this it make truly your inner is. child it so truly happy? Is my inner child is like, you've done it. It's not at all what my inner child would be proud of necessarily. Like this particular book. Yeah. But there's a book. There's a book. Yeah. It's, um, I, I'll tell you, my, my favorite story to tell about my childhood um, there's a bunch. Uh, I, <laughs> but, um, I, I have a sister. I'm very close with her. Um, I'm very close with, with my family in general. Um, and when I was eight years old, our house burnt down to the ground. Oh my God. Um, now that's usually the reaction. Right? I like get. traumatizing. Like, terrible trauma. Yeah. Best thing that ever happened to me. Hands down the best thing that ever happened to me because, um, two things. I learned two things that we teach kids, we tell kids, mm -hmm. but I, it, they were burnt in, literally, literally burned into my brain <laughs> at that moment, which was, um, one, it was just before Christmas. It was a couple weeks before Christmas. And so my whole family, like aunts, uncles, cousins, we were all gathered at the house and we we're making like gingerbread and like eating our chicken wings. And, um, and, uh, we all got out of the house. Like my uncle smelled something burning. I'm like, ah, gingerbread, just ignore it. And by the time you know, like we, they actually went back and checked the, the whole back of the house was gone. Um, and so it was like, ah, everybody get out. You know, we raced outside and I very, we'll never forget this. I brought chicken wings and quesadillas with me. Cause that was the thing that I wanted to save. Um, from everybody my else was like, burning home. right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm sitting there like I'm snacking on my chicken wing and, and watching my house burn. Um, and, you know, it's upstate winter, upstate New York, dead of winter, freezing cold, and literally everything that we own is gone. And in, in that moment, two things. One, everyone that I know and love is safe. All that matters. And then two, um, I never wanted for anything. The power of community and recognizing privilege, not just of race, gender, age, any of the things that we typically think about with privilege, but also having community that cares and building that community. I, I had such respect for my parents in that moment because what I noticed is that night I had a roof under which I slept. I was fed food. You know, the local, one of the local teachers slaughtered a lamb, a farmer slaughtered a lamb. So we had food, like yeah. it was just like everybody, I had clothes the next day to go to school. Everybody came together in that moment. And I was like, this this changes everything. Like, this is what I want to build in my life. I want to build community mm -hmm. so that, you know, I can raise up and be lifted at the same time. Um, that whole, like, all ships rise is is so true. I, I It was a pivotal moment in my life, to say the least. And that's incredible that at eight years old. I don't think I realized it at the time. Right. You know, I, I think it, it got, it's very it, retrospective. It, it took time to, like, to recognize. But it was a, I don't know, maybe I did. At some, at some level, maybe I did. And, um... Yeah, it was it was a powerful moment. Um, so anyway, that was that was eight year old me, and then twelve year old me was committed to a mental institution. True story. Uh, um, so I bought very deeply into the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that was part of like the tie of community being important. Um, and I was so scared of of being rejected, and I was not a cool kid, as I said, right? Like I was scrawny, and I had a bowl cut. Like it was it was bad, uh, and a perm, bowl cut, and then a perm on top doesn't matter. But, but I learned, right, the rules but of I society. I love the picture we're getting. Uh, of I'll, I'll share the picture. It's, I, I want to be embarrassed for myself. I'm not anymore. At the but same like, time, you look at it and you're like, that, that was character building right there. It, that was good stuff. It truly stuff. was. It truly was. Um, because I, you know, I, I bought fully into this fear of rejection. And, and I realized that in order to be accepted as a woman, 
I was going to have to be skinny and pretty. And I didn't think at the time that I fit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I stopped eating essentially. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, was committed along with a, into an adult institution, right. Where they were dealing with eating disorders. Um, and that was transformative for me. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I didn't belong there either. Right. Like there was no spot that I fit. Um, and so, you know, I think in part that helped me start to identify the, the deep seated fears that I was carrying, um, and I'm not saying that I acted well on them, you know, I don't think that's the solution is to, you know, to bend, to try and fit in better. Um, but it, it helped me become more aware of, Ooh, I'm really terrified of being rejected. And in, in retrospect, one of the ironies is trying to fit in was the thing that actually almost killed me. Right. 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 It wasn't, rejection wasn't going to kill me. It was the bending to try and fit that actually almost was the real tiger. Right. Literally almost killed you. As yeah. a, like, so as an adult, how's that journey gone for you as far as like, I don't know if you know, but you are skinny and pretty. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I think that's what I was going yeah. for, but also recognizing, have you had that moment of like, I don't actually give a shit what I am. I'm just happy to be what, what Rebecca is. Yeah. So I, it's funny that you asked me that because I did a blog post yeah. two days ago on this. Awesome. Because I want to be there. Gotcha. I do. Gotcha. And like, I think my, in my, my personality is I'm there. Look at me. I've got this shit together. Like, pfft, I'm you have matching dining room chairs. I mean, like you're a full adult. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's very questionable. <laughs> that is very, uh, small aside. My grandfather, who I adored, uh, always taught me two things in life. One, you have to grow tall because I'm from a tall family. You have to grow tall, but you never have to grow up. Oh, that's I'm, amazing. That I've held on to. Um, I love no, so just getting back to this blog post, like I, I wrote in the blog post, like I want to be the one who like posts the picture of myself, the imperfect body, the imperfect, like oh, I have, I, there's so many imperfections. There's so many, and what we call imperfections, I'm putting that in air quotes, but like um, the, the, I don't have myself together, not just physically, but mentally, I'm constantly battling these, these, um, these fears. I'm constantly battling my instincts. I'm, I'm not the picture of perfect physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. No. Right. And, um, and I'm still not okay with it. And I want to say, and I'm okay with it, but I'm not. There we go. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, the more vulnerable we can be with that, the more we can, what I call, I call it flaunting your kryptonite saying, look, this is my weakness, right? If I'm Superman, let's just pretend like I'm Superman or whatever. Um, I'm going with Superman for a reason because don't worry, Wonder Woman's coming. All right. If I'm Superman and I spend my whole life running away, right? Fleeing kryptonite because that's the, that's my weakness. That's the thing that hurts me. If instead I say, here's my kryptonite. Hey, Holly, this is, this is a big problem for me. It's a, it's a huge weakness for me. What I've done is I've empowered you, Wonder Woman, to say, dude, kryptonite, it doesn't affect me. I've got you. When you see kryptonite, I got your back. And I think especially as we're growing communities, especially as we're more vulnerable and open with one another, we can say, hey, this is, this is my kryptonite. It may not look like it. That's a huge problem for me. Right. And when we can do that, what we can say is, okay, all right, when you're feeling that, this, this is not my fear. 
I can step in and now everybody, everybody can I can hold that up for you. I love that. What forms of community you kind of created? Like what, what have you done with that? Because this is, so this is a huge thing for me because it's what I like. It's what I do. We build communities, right? And I help other women build their communities around what they're passionate about. And I've seen this. We should talk. I need that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I've seen this in some of our, um, I, we talked about astrology for like a Mm-hmm. Split second. Um, so I have lots of friends in sort of that woo universe yeah. who feel alone mm-hmm. until they build the community around themselves, right? So I've right. got plenty of friends who I'm <laughs> so lots so, of flaunting kryptonite. This there's where I don't even think I'm touching it until I notice that it's down. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they build this and they are building spaces right. where women feel safe being vulnerable and mm-hmm. saying, I struggle with this and not having to hold it in because I feel like it starts to like fester, right? When we've uh, got that thing that we can't even tell anybody about because we're so ashamed. Um, or even yeah. ourselves about. Oh, right? yeah. Admitting to That's, myself that I'm not comfortable with XYZ is is never, never It's an actually easy. an instinct to self-deceive first so that we are um, better not at lying. Conv- <laughs> Yes, because lies actually physically... Um, cause issues like cause illness and so we if we can self-deceive first if we can convince ourselves that we're fine then we're better at lying to one another and that lie doesn't come across as a lie in my particular life situation right now I can't tell you that uh, how hard I'm holding back just like weeping on my own podcast Why? Why are you holding back? Well, mostly because we're not really at a place where like I'm I'm open to share but like I've spent it's it's good to have those protections years lying to myself Mm. To keep other people, my friend finally said, Holly, you keep setting yourself on fire to keep other people warm. Oh. Oh. Okie dokie. She's like, why don't you just go ahead and put that out, deal with your own burns mm. for a minute, and like let them figure out their own ordeal. Okay. Yep. I got you. Um, but that's, it's so true because I realized in the process of what we're going through that I believed it. I 100% believed everything I was telling myself. And I was so angry. Yeah. (laughs) I had moments of just rage about the fact that I had, but like recognizing that that's instinct is super interesting. And that like, probably I'm not alone in that. I mean, that's just human nature. uh, Yeah. And that, see, there's a great relief. I think at least it was for me is, is in studying so many of these behaviors that I think, we could easily do the blame and shame game and say, well, like I, when, when I hear engineer, I think of a man first. Okay. That's an instinct. Right. I mean, it's culturally, culturally, but also that's part of an instinct. When I, um, when I think of somebody dangerous, I think of somebody who doesn't look like me. Okay. That's another instinct. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying we should, we shouldn't work on these things, but it, it takes the like blame and shame off and say, oh, we're wired to see the other as dangerous? Yeah. Oh, we're wired to see men and women in particular world? Yeah. Oh, we're wired to self-deceive? Yeah. So then it's like, oh. When you take that. So angry. Yeah, it's, it's like dousing the flames and going, huh, great. Now what can I do about this? Now that right. I know. And now that I know, which is huge. And, I know and I'm safe. Is, is that I just, yeah. I heard me cut out. I had to too. Like I could. <laughs> but now that, now that we know, like, you can, you can look at this. I am such a control freak that the idea of thinking about how you think is like addictive. It's, it's, it's a little bit frightening sometimes, but being able to look at that and go, this is how our brains were meant to work. 
when we evolved, like, yeah. right. Like we've, yeah. we somehow that has not caught up with the rest no. of, we, no. we developed a, the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Great gift. But the rest of it's still there. Yeah. Right. So like, it's still in us. That's, I mean, that's, that's spot on. This is, this is the irony of being human is that we have this, this is the biggest gift. Literally like no other ha- animal has this prefrontal cortex that's expanded in the way that it is for humans, which gives us the ability to, to think consciously and to think about the future and think about consequences and think, and do all of this and we don't use it. Like <laughs> most of the time we're operating from the subconscious. We're still doing the instinctual. Yeah. And we think we use it. That's the great deceit yeah. is we think that this is the CEO. It's not the CEO. It's the press secretary. It's explaining and justifying all the stupid stuff that our actual CEO has done, right? That subconscious brain. Oh, that is the most beautiful picture of that I've <laughs> ever thought about. Yeah. And like how many, well, immediately I go to justifying, Yeah. right? Like, oh, I made that decision. Now I've got to justify it. And no, you, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, they, and, and not all of those you don't decisions, make decisions are bad. You just be made, you become made aware of the decision that you just it. made. That's yeah. it. You put your hand on a hot stove. What do you do? So, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then you justify because you actually move before you feel heat or pain. Yep. That's cool. That's an instinct. And that's yeah. a good one. Like, let's keep that one. That's not all instincts are bad, right? That's a right. life saving instinct. That's good. But I think that I move my hand because it's hot. No, I don't. And so many other instincts are like that. I think that I hired that person because they're the right fit. No, they're not. They think like me. And yeah. I, and I want, I love me. So I, I want more of me like that's, I want you to think like me. So that yes, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, justify absolutely. this. So, um, yeah, becoming aware of, of those, you know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And, and to your point, our brain just isn't built for this world, right? right? It's, it's built for a dangerous, sparse, scary world that our ancestors lived in and, it's going to be another 200,000 years before our brain catches up to the world that we're in now. now and then we're going to be there. Right. right. So it's a, it's, I think the game really isn't about making your brain fit the world we're in. It's about working with the biology that, we're, that we already stuck, are stuck with. Right. right. And saying, right. instead of having to fight this, how can I work with the material that's there? And getting that information to as many people as possible. I think that's always the thing. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about tipping the scale in a completely different mm-hmm. way, but I think that's the thing for me is how do you create an idea that becomes pervasive? How do you create an idea where like mm-hmm. meditation, mindfulness, that kind of thing is really coming in, but it still has that like that woo woo coloring of being woo. Uh. Yes. <laughs> that like, yeah. it's got that tinge of, Oh, I want to be mindful, but does that mean I also have to like love patchouli? Like, no, you don't like, you can be a corporate human. <laughs> this is great. Right? I, and that's our brain creating associations yes. again. Cause we have what 400 billion bits of information hitting our brain every second. Which is bonkers. Right. So right. that's, and our conscious brain can process about 2000 bits per second, which means like 99.9999999999% of the time we're operating from our subconscious. So we create these associations like, okay, meditation and I'm sitting still and I'm going um, and there's patchouli, 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 whatever. It, you know, like petroleum I, patchouli I, makes it beautiful. It's about the same, it's the same right? Same. You're barefoot yeah, and you got totally. the long, yes. And, um, I, I was in the same boat. Like the first time somebody told me I needed to meditate, I was like, I don't, that's woo woo. I don't, I don't do the woo. Right. Like that. I'm a scientist. Don't you know? I'm a scientist. So of course I dig in and I read the science and I'm like, Oh, I love that a scientist reads the science to figure out that the woo is actually, I need to meditate. (laughs) This is a thing. And so, you know, I could cite a bazillion papers on meditation for all the reasons that yes, we all should be meditating. And the first time I did it, I failed. And I told you my story about failure. Like, I'm not good with this, right? Because I sit there and I'm like, all right, clear your head. Here we go. 
And immediately what happens, right? Like thought, 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 Yeah, thought, all the thought, thoughts everything, come, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took an active reframing of that, of saying, oh, that is meditation. Like I'm hearing the stories that I'm telling myself constantly. Oh, now I get to decide, is that useful or is that a story that I don't want to be telling anymore? That is meditation. Now I get it. Now that's I beautiful. get it. But man, it. it's and rough. I don't think you can road. fail trying meditation. I love that. That's what you like. That's how story you frame you tell. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's how you frame it, though. Is like I don't think I really. As long as you've like stopped to take a breath, that's, that's yeah. It, but I, and, and that's I think that's a great point. And and usually people don't go there, right? right. They they say ah oh, I failed, and then they quit, and it's done and over. Right. And that's not return. for me. Right. I love anything that's one try, and that's not for me. Like. Mm, or do you need to unlearn some things? And if you know it's going to be beneficial, don't you think it's worth another shot? Right. Like maybe just one. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But it makes me look bad. <laughs> right. Because I can't be bad at it. Oh. And if we could just jump into that whole yeah, let's do paradigm it. as well. Oh, let's, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do all of the things. All, all I love the things. it. Yeah. But that's, I mean, how many. So in my world of helping women start mostly help well it doesn't even it depends on what month it is start businesses versus grow businesses yeah. versus scale businesses all of the things right so many women who do well are because they like find somewhere in the spectrum between a complete fucking mess and perfectionism oh women who can fall in the middle do really well yep. because they're like i don't it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be done, done. but also i actually do stuff sometimes like there's an in between but those ends of the spectrum what i find most often is the people who are complete mess really usually just resolve to work for someone else totally mm. fine mm -hmm. work your day job make your money buy your house do your yeah. thing and they're happy with it yep which is great i think that's like the thing to recognize is that if you're happy with it keep it's not a failure thing. it's perfect <laughs> do Why? that. And I like, people will be like, Oh, they feel so judged when they talk to me and they have a nine to five job. I'm like, mm. I'm not, do you like it? Do you right. love what you're doing for? Yeah. It's got great opportunities. I learn all kinds of things. Like I, I love the work that I do. I work for a nonprofit. I, I work for hell. You can work for McDonald's and, and just really like incidentally, it. Incidentally, like fine. super rewarding. Yeah. Which is what life should be like. That is success. Right. Um, so I love when they feel super judged and I'm like, nah, if you love it, that's cool. Welcome What's up, to Guinness? the podcast. This is my dog. This is real life. This and is, I love it. Talk this about is how imperfection balance. and sometimes just getting it done. Right? This is we work out of the house and yeah. this is my dog in my house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And the other end of that is the fear of the people who are so sure that failure means they're bad at it, which is, can we talk about every, uh, past gifted kid like tag are talented and gifted. <laughs> Y'all oh, there's like it. Yeah. Because we don't do the things that we think like, unless we already know we're good at them because we were told we just are gifted. So that's, if I'm, if I have to learn it, then I'm not gifted in it and I'm not good at it. And I should well, And that's, oh gosh. So this is, this gets into our brain, right? Because right. for our brain, failure meant death. Oh my gosh. Truly. Yep. Right. You yep. fail to bring home meat. You die. Yeah. Right. You fail at hunting. You die. Right. And so to our brains, this is like a big, they haven't calculated yet that if you fail, it's just a, I'm not ready yet. It's right. an opportunity for learning. It's an opportunity for, for growth. But our brains are like growth. That doesn't, you die. It's an immediate response environment, right? right. Like, right. no, right. no, right. no, there's death in there. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so I, I often, oh gosh, I'm going to get this quote wrong. I'm going to probably butcher this. I may fail. Good on you for trying, Thank you. Thank you. even though. Even though. Um, but the idea being, well, if I'm a success, that means others must have failed. If I'm a winner, somebody must have lost, right? right? And the same thing with, with failure. If I'm failing, then who's winning? And I think we can only really fail if we're comparing ourselves to others. Absolutely. If we're comparing ourselves just to us, then when we realize, oh, that failure, was it a failure? How do, how do I define failure? What's an actual 
fail. Quitting. Swear to God, it's the only thing. I don't think so. (laughs) I'm going to push back on that. Sometimes quitting is the thing you should do, right? Or like that's a success. Um, But yes, to your point, that can also be, it depends on the story you're telling, right? If that's the choice that you're making because you're afraid, then that's a failure. If it's the choice you're making because it's the bold and right thing for you to do, that's not a failure. Good yeah, on you. Go. Get out. There you go. Go back to I that nine to five that, that gives you perspective. Yeah. Exactly. Go back to the thing that, that fits you. And then is that, then it's not really not a failure. Exactly. For sure. We, and back to your point on data collection, all of the time, I'm like, there, there is no opportunity for failure. Like it doesn't exist. If I try something and it doesn't, doesn't work, I collected data. That's exactly it. I collected That's a data. Great I know what works. I know it doesn't work. I yep. know what the variables were. I know how to change them. Like mm-hmm. let's run it again. Yeah. Different variables. Love it. Just change it up. Love and it. that's, yeah. That is, is you don't die. You, and you don't die. But our There's brain, a beautiful yeah, thing. Our brain doesn't I like t- it. I tell my brain all the time. So when I do public speaking, love it. Absolutely love it. There's no place I'm more comfortable than on a stage in front of 20,000 people. Like, it's my jam. Wow. I wish I, I was that it. comfortable. <laughs> I'm was, not. I was kind of, I was kind of like you in the, I was a theater kid, like yeah. all the way through high school. We yeah. did all the musicals, all the plays, oh, all see, the I things. wasn't a theater kid. I loved it, but you I didn't allow it. I was a basketball player because oh, gotcha. I was good at basketball. Because you're tall. And you're, I knew. You grew tall, but not up, which is perfect. <laughs> tall, but not up. <laughs> tall, but not up. But I, so I was the theater kid and especially, especially if it's in an actual theater where there are no lights and I can only see the front three rows. Mm, oh, nice. just, it's in my heart, right? Love that. That doesn't stop the fact that as the person is saying, she's done blah, 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 this and that, whatever. Here's Holly, my whole everything, right? It doesn't go, it never goes away. Yeah. Do you know what my mantra is in that moment? Hmm. There are no tigers. Ah! Straight up straight up because somebody explained it to that's, me one time they're like fight or flight jam. is always about that there's or freeze there's yeah or freeze yeah um so like yeah my mouth goes dry yep. my heart's going a thousand miles an hour i need you know eight gallons of water and then i'm up there having to pee whatever yep. <laughs> but in, so instead now. of like yeah chugging water and like trying to get myself to to calm down seven deep breaths yep. and every deep breath is there are no tigers there are no tigers. there are no tigers because like if you can recognize that your body is having a sympathetic response yeah, you can and, stop it. And you know, I, I love that. And and I'll add one more thing to that because if you if you have an opportunity to to do public speaking or whatever it is that makes you like nervous, right? That's great. It means you care. It's amazing. Yes. If you're not nervous Absolutely. about what you're doing, if you're uh, not having a little bit of stress, we we often say you know oh stress. We only talk about stress in the negative, right? Like oh it's terrible. And look at the levels that most of us experience stress. Yes. It's damaging, right? Because you've you've gone over to the other side of the curve on, if you think about a normal curve, right? Like this inverse U. If you're on the opposite side and you're kind of going downhill because your performance is decreasing with increased stress, but what we don't talk about is like, it takes a little bit of stress to actually get out of bed. It takes a little bit of stress to actually care about your day. It takes a little bit of stress to get on stage and go, and not just go, eh, yeah, right? Because like, right. I don't really care. Like, what do you guys want to talk about? Mm. Or even giving right? giving the same talk you've given a thousand times that there's just no fire behind it anymore. Have you ever seen an empathetic mm-hmm. speaker? And like it doesn't matter what they're saying. Like they you could be like, Yes, I agree wholeheartedly, and that is brilliant. But the way they're saying it, you know they don't care anymore. And yes. you're like, I I'm so torn between yes. really wanting to be excited about this and wondering like if you engage. slept last night, I like what engage. happened. Exactly. Yep. It's really an interesting, but yeah, then they've gotten to the point where there is no stress about it anymore. And that's maybe not a great thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think stress, stress is a, is a powerful motivator as much as it is a, a thing that can hold you back. So, so sort of modulating that, recognizing where you are, being aware and saying, huh, is this, is this stress coming from a story that I need to change? 
right? Can I reframe this and say, what if I was excited? Because, hi, because the the brain believes the story you tell it, yep. right? And so uh-huh. if I get up on yep. stage and I'm going, boy, I'm nervous. Oh, God, I'm so nervous. I can feel my dry mouth coming on. You're, you're nervous, nervous. Yeah. and you're probably not going to do as well. Whereas if you say to yourself, you don't even have to believe it fully, right? You really don't. Like, because you're, you're still going to know I'm nervous, right? right? You're going to know yeah. that. But you don't even have to believe in the story in order to act from within it. So I can tell myself, I'm really excited. The body releases the exact same hormones under stress and fear as it does under excitement. It's why you have people on roller coasters sitting right next to each other. One's going, ah, the other's like, Wee! right? It, they're having the exact same internal experience. The only difference is the story they're telling right here. Which is beautiful. So yeah, it is yeah, beautiful. It's a great, it's a great opportunity for you to say, hmm, do I want to choose an adventure or an ordeal in this situation? Right? Because I love that. That's life. life that's a nice is, little like token, like a nice little coinable phrase right there. And yeah. I, I love that. It's so either much. an adventure or an, or an, an ordeal. ordeal. It's hard to say. I, I say it so frequently. I still can't. Or, or an ordeal. Or an ordeal. So, or an or, ordeal or an adventure. Yeah, there you go. It's an either ordeal way. or an adventure. And I love that. It's, it's a choice. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think that's a really great wrap up back into the yeah. book. Um, I got to quit hitting the table. That's when it cuts out. So if you, if you don't have, you're See, selling, that a, wasn't a failure. That was learning. That was learning. Quit hitting the table, Holly. Um, they can order this. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. So we're going to sure put a link can. in the show notes. I'm like, I'm holding a physical book. Surely Thanks. at this point, I have seen this coming to fruition since it was like word documents and we were questioning covers. So the fact that <laughs> yeah. this is in my hand right now is so for people who need to achieve stuff. So really what I want you to pull out of day is a, all of the gold nuggets, dude, so many beautiful little thoughts, um, about how to think and how to think about the way that you think, which is phenomenal. Um, but I also want you to pull out of this, that her, her past, like Rebecca's got fear failure written all over her. Like she's worked through some shit If she can do it. There's absolutely no reason you can't either. So we've got some beautiful gold nuggets, some super relatable stuff, and you should absolutely pick up a copy of this book, um, and read through it and start thinking about the way that you're thinking, uh, because it's going to change your life. I really, truly believe that if you can just make that small switch and start thinking about the, about the way that you think it'll, it'll change your perspective on everything and you can achieve success. It says it right here. <laughs> this is a guarantee, a guarantee. That's a guarantee on the front of this book. Achieve now, success. The question is how, what is success to you? Exactly. Because it's not the same for everybody. We talk about that a lot too. So, so achieve so your, your version, yeah. whatever that is. Yep. So Rebecca, thank you so much. This was a blast. Thank you. I had such fun. Thank awesome. you. Oh,